Good morning. All right, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today for uh, baptisms. We're, we're pretty excited about the folks that are being baptized. We've got three folks today that are going to be baptized. Um, and I want to take a moment just to welcome you to uh, Elmwood Park Community Church. We're glad you're here. Uh, thank you for each of you making it. Those of you who are watching online, uh, welcome. I know there's a, a, quite a few folks away at camp this weekend. So those of you who are at camp, if you're watching now or later, uh, yeah, we uh, say hi to you guys as well. Glad that you all could make it. Uh, if, whether you caught it today or tomorrow or whenever, we're glad you were here. So Galatians 3, 27 through 29 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. Today's a celebration. I can see them. You can't see them, so I'm looking up. They're pretty excited. A celebration in the lives of these folks here you're going to meet in a minute. Um, they're folks that, that Jesus Christ died to save, along with each of you and, and all of us together. The call of Christ is a call to die to yourself. Um, my ways, my desires, my will. Luke 9, 23 through 26 says this, And he said to all of them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the angels. The call to take up the cross is a call to follow Christ into the death of ourselves and into the light and the life that is found in his will. Baptism then is a, a, a public profession before the church, a way of saying before the church and the family and the world uh, that I now belong to Christ and that I am here to live in his will. And being baptized, you're saying to the church, and to the world, the words of Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ and of his gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation for all of those who would believe. So that's, in the words of what scripture says, the, the heart behind what each of these folks are doing this morning. We obey Christ uh, when we do baptism. And it's in obedience to that command that we're doing this today. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, some of the final words of Christ where he told the, the, the 11 that remained. He said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So it's in obedience to this command that we're baptizing today. There's nothing special about this water. It's just water out of the same water system that we get it out of our house. We live in Elmwood Park, so it's the, it's the very same water. Uh, it's been in here for a day or two, so all the chlorine smell's gone away. It was pretty uh, chlorine-y when we filled it, but it smells just like normal water today. Uh, it does have a heater, so it's a little warm. But there's nothing special about it. It doesn't wash away sin. It doesn't save us from our bad decisions. It doesn't even give us eternal life with God in heaven when we leave this world. Those are things that only Jesus Christ himself can do. This water then symbolizes Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Before a person commits their life to Christ and becomes a Christ follower, they invite Jesus into their life. Uh, before that time, they're dead in sin. Scripture says when a person is dead, we know that, physically we bury them. The water then represents a grave. That's why we do uh, 
baptism by immersion. It's one of the best pictures of what actually happens uh, in a death and a burial and resurrection. A person is lowered into the water symbolizing that they are being buried to their old life. When a person becomes a Christian, they receive a new life in Christ. The scripture says the old is gone and the new has come. The person being lifted up out of the water symbolizes being raised to walk in a new life. Baptism, then, is a way that we proclaim to the world what happens to us when we become followers of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is Mike. Mike, come on down. I was born Lutheran, I went to Lutheran school and such. Had a bunch of minor problems and a few major ones. And I fell in and out of the church a couple of times. And back about 2014, I was doing a, a fly fishing show I was attending as a vendor. And after the show was over, one of the security people was talking to us. And he happened to be a deacon. And he was a deacon in a Baptist church down there. And he asked if he could pray with us. Anyway, I didn't really think a whole lot of it, but I'm like, of course. And so, you know, him and my girl and, you know, myself, we, you know, we just held hands and, and he, I don't even remember the words of his prayer, but, and it was uplifting. And two weeks later, I was out on my wheelchair. Back in 2014, when we had that little prayer group, was probably the first time I seriously, or I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but I, I really realized it. And I grew up in the church and I always believed, but I think the, the enormity is, that's when it really hit me. And I started going back to church then, but I wasn't going back like I should have. And then about a year, a year, year and a half ago, I really felt the need to come back to the church. And I went back to my old church and it wasn't a good fit. And I found EPCC online and I watched Pastor Sean for maybe a dozen or so sermons and decided this is where I wanted to be. And, and you guys accept me with open arms and I love it. Well, I was baptized when I was about six to eight months old, probably like most people in my generation. And I was attending the member class, and the pastor, Sean, you know, spoke that, you know, we should be baptized after we accept Jesus Christ. Well, I've accepted him for quite a while, but I never thought about baptism afterwards, and it just makes a lot of sense. When I was eight months old, I didn't, I, I couldn't even say mama. <laughs> And so, you know, when he said that, you know, I immediately raised my hand. <laughs> There's been, you know, differences in my life since I've realized that I've accepted Christ at a point that I do. It might not have been as immediate as right after I had the prayer session, but Shortly after my girlfriend and I broke up and I moved out and I moved back with my mom and dad and I watched I was there for both of them when they died and I think without 
if I wouldn't have been coming here, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. And everything's just been calmer for me. You know, I don't worry about things as much. You know, I've got people I can talk to. And I pray more than I used to. So, and it's, the church has been awesome. Yes, I have. Do you intend to follow Jesus Christ the rest of your life? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, and upon your profession of Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Maricel. Maricel, come on down. You can sneak by. <laughs> and uh, while Maricel comes down, we've got a video for her as well. So my journey with Christ um, began when I was trying to find a church um, because I knew that I had a, a sort of emptiness spiritually, and um, I came to learn later that it was so much more than, than that. Um, but, because on the surface, you know, I have a great family, wonderful friends, and, and I just wanted to raise, you know, help raise um, Brian, Brian and my children um, in Christ. And so I was jumping around, you know, from church to church trying to find a place that we can call home spiritually and you know um, and I wasn't finding that um, luckily you know I have um, my friend Allison who is is a wonderful disciple of Christ and she's obedient because she's what um, guided me to come here to um, Elmwood Park Community Church and I'm so grateful for that because that's what brought me to Christ as I am Christ now um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful relationship, one that I never thought, um, it, it, it feels like my relationship with Christ was more superficial before, and it feels more genuine and a deeper level. Today I was reflecting on, actually, Pastor Sean, what you're talking about now, the, um, fruits of the Spirit. I actually feel like I was bearing that fruit before I even understood intellectually what that meant. And that's such a beautiful um, and meaningful, um, insightful idea to come across, just, or, or to feel, to feel, you know, just because now I realize that I am patient on a different level um, than I never was before. And just exhibiting love and peace and times where I would, you know, find myself getting angry, 
a more subtle me. Now I, I feel like I can really stop and think about um, and reflect before, before speaking and, and doing more listening before speaking. Um, and now that I can also share that with, with my family, um, as we, as we go through lessons of Bible study on a weekly basis, that's another aspect of it that I'm enjoying. And before not knowing Christ to where I'm at now and embracing and calling him Lord and Savior, I can now um, say I, I don't want to live without my relationship with Christ. Because I've known what, it, what it's like before, um, where I was even, I consider myself an atheist at one point. It was short-lived, thankfully, but, um, you know, knowing Christ now the way I do, I don't want to go back. And I, and I hope that I can always bear that, all of the fruits of the you know, Spirit, and, and be a loyal disciple. get some video so or some photographs so you can stay next that would be perfect. Alright Marisol? Not yet. Don't hold it. don't hold your breath yet. <laughs> and and I'm not Audrey can come up too. Hey bud. Alright, Marisol have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you intend to follow Jesus Christ the rest of your life? I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior and upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you my sister. In the name of the Father and the Son to be baptized because I trust in God and I worship Him and I want to show Him that. We were doing Bible study and one of the stories I liked was Joseph and his brothers um, where um, his dad Isaac gave him a robe and they were jealous. And they were all discussing what they would do to, to Joseph. Um, one of them was throwing them in, him into a pit. So they went with that one. And they took off his robe and threw him in a pit. And they um, sent him to someone. He went in jail for doing something he didn't do. And um, the Pharaoh um, had, had a dream, and he didn't know what it meant. And so Joseph told him what it meant. He made Joseph the ruler. When it happened, his brothers came to get food. They didn't know it was Joseph when they went to get food from Joseph and um, 
that the next time he they brought their younger brother and um, he was so happy to see them. He told them who he was and they were all surprised and scared. And that's my favorite story. Why is it your favorite story? Because he still loved them for what they for what they did. I love that story. I love that she picked that story and I love it because it's kind of a picture of of us. Um, and a picture of God, no matter how much we fail, um, he still accepts us. Just like the, the brother that was wrong accepted his brothers back and forgave him. And that's a picture of what Christ does for us. He forgives us over and over and over again, no matter how many times we mess up. Isn't that right? Yeah. All right, Kayla. Thank you, Liz. All right. Kaylee, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Say it loud. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Do you intend to follow Jesus Christ the rest of your life? I do. All right. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, and upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 say this blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his mercy he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance listen to what this inheritance is like it's imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we have uh, spent some time this morning just celebrating uh, the, the salvation of these three, um, whether it was recent uh, for some of them or whether it, it was in the, in the past uh, a ways, Lord, there, the, the moment of salvation uh, is celebrated by the moment of baptism. Lord, we thank you for the picture that baptism paints. It's like uh, the, the wedding ring of the Christian life. Uh, the, 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 the wedding ring doesn't make you married, but it shows the world you're married. And in the same way, Lord, we thank you for baptism that doesn't save us, but it declares to the world our salvation. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he purchased that salvation for each of us with his very life. And the Lord, we thank you that he didn't stay dead because he rose again. He ascended to heaven, and he is with you today, and he will return for us in the future. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Spirit. Um, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Elmwood Park Community Church. I'm Pastor Sean Stevenson. Before we get started this morning, I just want to take a minute to greet you and let you know how glad we are you joined us this morning for worship, whether it's online or in person. Also, before we get started, here are a couple things you need to know about. At Elmwood Park Community Church, we value prayer, and we would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. 
At any time, you can send a text message to 708-498-7750. That's 708-498-7750. That text will come directly to us and it will remain confidential. We'll pass it on to our prayer team who will begin to pray for you immediately. If you're a guest with us this morning, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Grab your cell phone and punch in the letters EPCC. Send that to the phone number 94000. When you do that, you'll receive a digital connection card back very shortly after you send the text. All you have to do then is fill it out, let us know a little bit about yourself, name, phone number, email address, and we'll add you to our database so that we can keep you updated with all the things that are coming up at Elmwood Park Community Church. Giving is another way we worship at Elmwood Park Community Church, and there are multiple ways that you can do that. Go online to our website at epcommunitychurch.org forward slash give and click on the Give Now button. As always, you can give in person on a Sunday in the offering box, which is located in the back of the worship area. You can also send in offerings by mail and use bill pay through your own bank. Thanks again for joining us at Elma Park Community Church this morning. We're glad you're here.
hear me? Oh, there we go. All right. So, you have hit a good morning. <laughs> it's already been an amazing morning, um, but we're at the beginning brand new series, and we are super excited about it. It is a series called Character Matters. It's based out of Galatians 5, 22 through 23, where it talks in Scripture about what happens in the life of a Christ follower. What are the kinds, and when, when we talk about fruit, it's a weird kind of word, you can think about it, but... Fruit is the healthy offspring of a plant or a tree. Uh, so when we talk about the fruit of spirit in the life of a believer, that's healthy things that come out of the life of a believer. So we're going to talk about those. The scripture verse is going to be up here that we're going to memorize, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's take a look at it. Uh, so hopefully by the time we're done with this, we'll have this memorized. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against such things, uh, there's no law. In other words, there's nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing bad about these things. These things are good, and they're, they're, they're profitable outcomes in the life of a Christian. The last uh, verse that comes after that, verse 24, says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and the passions that uh, and desires that are in it so why does character matter to god why do you think character matters to god think about that for a minute let it sink in why is it important that uh, we exhibit and 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 even exude a godly character uh let's take a look at that we're going to talk about that but before we get to the answer to that question we're going to look at some definitions for the word character we want to make sure we're we know what we're talking about we're talking about the same thing uh so i've got three Character is the aggregate, in other words, the, the total combination of features and traits that form an individual nature of a person or a thing. You know, we say that, that rocks have characteristics or they have character. One of the characteristics of most rocks is that they're hard, right? Some of them have different characteristics. Some are brittle. Uh, some you can uh, cut things with depending on how they're formed. So we, we talk about character as, as the nature of something. Another thing is uh, the mental and moral qualities that are distinctive to an individual. Uh, what kind of character does an individual have? What kind of character do they live out? And the third definition is qualities of honesty, courage, integrity. Character it, it, that we're going to talk about goes beyond these. Uh, these are things that, and, and listen, while we're talking about this for the next nine weeks following today, so 10 weeks total, this is not something you like have to figure out how to muster up the energy to do. That's not what we're talking about. This isn't behavior modification. This isn't the pastor saying you're not doing good enough because you're not exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are things that are naturally out of the spirit. So the question you have to be asking yourself over the next 10 weeks isn't, Am I doing a good job exhibiting love, joy, peace, and patience, and so on? The question you have to ask yourself is, do I belong to Christ? Do I belong to Christ? And if so, am I growing in him? Am I, you know, we just spent a series of six weeks talking about uh, reading scripture and prayer and fellowship and service. Am I, am I living for Christ the life that he's called me to live? Am I, am I, giving myself to him in such a way that through me, he can exhibit these characteristics. So again, not something we have to come up with, but something God does in us. Now, how does God see our character? We're going to take a look at Colossians. It's going to be on the screen as well, but if you want to look it up, uh, we're going to be in Colossians 3. 
Colossians 3, we're going to start in verse 5, and we're going to read through 14. When God looks at the character of a person who is not a Christ follower, somebody who's not in Christ, just your average person on the street, um, here are some things that he sees. This is Paul speaking, and he's talking about things in our lives that we need to put to death. So he says, starting in verse 5, put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self, we talked about that this morning, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there uh, is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is all. Put on then as God's chosen chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. The Bible is clear that we have one kind of character before we come to Christ and another kind of character after Christ saves us, after Christ is in us. Uh, The scripture talks about that in a variety of different ways, uh, and we're going to talk about those in a moment. But before our life in Christ, our life is characterized by some things Paul laid out, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, Uh, which is idolatry, that's wanting something other people have, Uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Um, These are things that characterize the old self, the old life, the the, the pre-Christ life. After Christ, our lives are characterized by compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. These are categories, if you want to think of it, of character, The, the old self, the new self, the earthly nature, the heavenly nature, the sinful nature, the godly nature, the old and the new. Scripture also refers to it as the flesh and the spirit. Um, And I put this up here. Uh, I love this scripture. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Just as a thought, just to to kind of think about that today as we talk through character. Um, Just a note on that. Think about the words there. Um, this is, this is uh, John written in the Gospel of John. Uh, he says, deal violently with those things that are against God in your life. Some of us are so, it's like, oh, it's my pet sin and I'm going to put it away, but I might take it out again later. Right? That's not, uh, he says, put it to death. Deal violently with those things that are against God. That's why I picked that scripture up. So I want you to think about as we talk about the old self characterized by selfishness and the new uh, self that is characterized by a a God-centered nature, that to get that God-centered nature, we have to put to death the old self and the old things and the old desires. So out of our nature, our character, um, you see that it's based uh, in Christ. No matter how good a person is, and we say that about people. Oh, he's a good man. She's a good woman. They're, they're good. Scripture said no one, in fact, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. Of course, Jesus is God, Jesus, God, Father, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Um, but he was making a point. No one's good except God. 
So no matter how good a person is, if they're not transformed by Christ, they're not living in the power of Christ, they're living in the power of their own flesh. And, and what we need to, to come to grips with and, and maybe even be reminded of today is that what we want and what God wants are diametrically opposed if we're not in the Spirit, if we're not in Christ. What the, what the earthly nature, what the fleshly nature, what the sinful nature wants, that's diametrically opposed to what God wants to do in us. The Spirit will always glorify God and the credit always goes to God if the focus in our life is what does God want. That's got to be the focus. That has to be the, the natural focus of the Christ followers answering that question consistently, daily, hourly, moment by moment. What does God want? And when I live in such a way as to answer the question, God, what do you want? God's glorified in me. As we set ourselves to look at, at these characteristics, these nine characteristics over the next nine weeks, I want us to look at the conflict this morning. This is, this is really the, the setting the foundation for the following nine weeks where we talk about character and then we begin to unpack them. Next week, love, and then the next week, joy. In fact, I wore my Fruit of the Spirit. You're wondering, why is he wearing a t-shirt today? I got a bunch of Fruit of the Spirit t-shirts, including the one we sent home with the kids and I'm just going to say this, kids, if you're online, let's all wear ours next week. So if kids, adults, any of you who got one, uh, we, we sent home shirts that can be colored. Lydia and I have already colored ours. We'll wear ours next week. So I'll wear, Lydia will wear hers. Um, kids, wear yours. Take pictures of those. Send them to us. Uh, and we'll share them with the church. We'll put them up on the screen. People can see how people decorated their shirts. But as we set ourselves to look uh, at this characters for the next nine weeks, we're going to be in Galatians 5, 16 to 25 today. Now that contains the scripture that we're memorizing, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But in the first half of that passage, um, let's, I'm going to go ahead and turn in my scripture if you want to turn in yours as well. Galatians 5, starting in verse, uh, verse 16 through 21, we're going to read, because this, dis this discusses the sinful nature of the old self what we're going to call today the self-centered life. So let's see what the self-centered life looks like. This is Paul writing in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other in order to keep you from doing things doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he, he mentions, this is the, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be learning the love, joy, peace, patience. This is the opposing list, if you will, the works of the flesh, uh, or if you even wanted to call it the fruit of the fleshly life. All right, this is what it is. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warn others before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, the, that's what the self-centered life looks like. And I think if we are honest with ourselves and we look through that list, we can probably find some of, the, some of those things that we have struggled with at one time or another, whether it was anger, whether it was envy, whether it was uh, uh, malice, uh, sorcery, jealous, I hope not sorcery, but maybe, you never know. People come out of those kinds of backgrounds and become Christ followers all the time. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, and division. 
So what do we learn here? Just kind of unpacking this, this, what this old life looks like. Again, as I mentioned, uh, verse 16, the sinful nature wants what is contrary to what God wants. If, you are, if you're living out of, a, out of a sinful nature, an earthly nature, if you have not put to death what is earthly in you, what you want is not what God wants. You, you can be certain of that. Scripture says it uh, very clearly. It says, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're in opposition. They're opposed. And that's the source of all the problems we have in our life, isn't it? <laughs> we want to live in this spirit, but sometimes we gravitate back to the flesh. In other words here, what your body or your mind, the flesh wants, is always radically opposed in nature to what God wants. In other words, it's exactly the opposite. Now, the flesh and the spirit are in opposition and in conflict, it says, at all times. They don't agree and they never will. Because of this conflict, we are often confused and we can make wrong choices. If we are not diligent to stay connected with the Father, we're not diligent to stay in the Word, we're not diligent to, to gather with the fellowship of believers, to have other people that we're walking with and talking with who can even hold us accountable and walk with us through difficult times, we will struggle and we will be in conflict and we can often make wrong choices. If the Spirit is in command of our life, the law of sin and death will be dead in its effectiveness against us. And what we will be living under is the law of spirit and life. In other words, what is bad and wicked and evil in us, we put to death, right? Whatever is earthly. And we become spiritual people because the spirit is in command in our life. The attitude of the sinful nature um, will be dead and they will not be in charge in our life. But instead, the spirit of God will be in charge. Um, 19 through 21 talks about the acts of the flesh, and they are disgusting. And in fact, we don't even like to hear those lists read in church, right? And often um, when we hear that in church, we, we grimace. We're like, wow, can they say that in church? Well, it's in Scripture, right? Uh, God told Paul, write this down. Write down all these disgusting, wicked things that people do and remind them that those are works of the flesh and not works of the Spirit. And so when we hear them, we're disgusted by them, and we don't even want to hear them read in church, in spite of the fact that some of us are in the middle of some of those things. Some of us have fits of anger. Some of us are jealous. Some of us have envy. Some of us lust. We don't want to hear it read in church. We don't want to be reminded about it. We don't want to be reminded of our struggle. But that would be... Um, that would be if, if we didn't talk about that today, we'd be leaving half of the gospel out. Because what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is it confronts the, the sin in our life. It confronts the brokenness, the separation. It confronts the fact that we're separated from God because of our sin and because sin uh, in the past of our, of our fathers and our forefathers. Because Adam and Eve in the garden chose their will over God's will. Now we're separated from God. And the story of the gospel is that, that Christ came to confront our sin and to save us from it. And so without talking about the sin, that's why, that's why God told Paul, hey, Paul, write these things down. Remind them, don't live this way. In order to be in step with the Spirit, you will live a, a different way. And these things you put to death. If we live according to the flesh instead of the Spirit, that, that passage finishes up saying, we will have no part in Christ. I don't know about you, but that's scary. If we're not in step with the Spirit, if we're not in step with God, we're not in step with Christ, uh, we are out of step, and if we are out of step, there's no part in Christ. It sounds pretty hopeless. 
but there is hope. We're going to be we're going to flip over to Romans 8. Romans 8 has hope. Because if there's anything true about God's word and his scripture and the work that Christ came to do is that he came to bring hope. Hope to the lost, hope to the broken, hope to the hopelessly separated. So there's hope found in answering the question, who is Jesus Christ to you? So I know some of you came to watch a baptism today. Maybe you don't normally come to church. Hey, this message is for you today. Listen to this message and answer the question, who is Jesus Christ to you? Romans 8, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the, the first 11 verses. It says, therefore, there is, no, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done uh, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He does this in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Again, remember they're opposed. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That's why it's important to be careful where you're setting your mind. And it says, continuing in verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also, here's the gospel, will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Even if you're broken and dead in sin, God can save you. He can bring you back to life. Now, we know our physical bodies are going to die, and so we know that's not what the author of Romans is talking about here. He's not saying you're going to get an eternal body. But your spirit is going to be eternally with God. And that is the story of the gospel. That's the gospel that Christ came to tell us and to die for so that we could be right with God through the death of burial and resurrection of Christ. So who is Christ to you? Is he a historical figure? Uh, is he a good teacher, good prophet, good man? Um, uh, is, is he a prophet? Some people say, oh, yeah, he's a prophet. He was, he was a good guy. He was a prophet. He said some wise things, and he's up there along some other prophets, some other people, and some other uh, religious uh, you know, kind of groups. There, there's a lot of different ways people look at Christ. So who is he to you? Some people thought he was a crazy man. They thought he was insane because he said he was the son of God. How could he be the son of God? He must be crazy. Or is he Lord? Is he a savior? Is he one who, who you submit to? Is he one who rescued you from sin and death? I mean, there really are only three choices, right? He's either just a crazy guy and we're all deluding ourselves, or he was a liar and none of it's true, or he's Lord. And I submit to you today that I believe he is Lord. So ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? 
That's really the, the, that's the starting point, the midpoint, and the end point <laughs> of Christianity, is you have to come to, to face the question, who is Christ going to be in my life? Have you been set free from the sin and the death that you have in you and been set free to live in the Spirit? Is that, is that you could characterize yourself and say, yes, I know I've done that. Maybe today you know that's not you. You haven't done that yet. You've never come to the place in your life uh, where you have asked Jesus Christ to save you, and because of your sin, it looks bleak. Remember a moment ago we said that, the, that if you're in the flesh, you're in the, in the world, you're in the old man still, that the wrath of God is upon you because God hates sin. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you and to go to the grave and to rise again. But he can't tolerate sin, so the the wrath of God is upon sin, Scripture says. Because of sin, our future is bleak. Our spirits uh, cannot be alive or free uh, unless Christ is our Savior. If Christ is in us, God will give us life. Remember, Christ said he came to give us life, but not just any life. Christ promises that he came to give us an abundant life. Not just an adequate life, not just an okay life, but an amazing life. Now, that doesn't mean... Health and wealth, that doesn't mean you're going to be rich. You're not going to go out and buy a lottery ticket if you come to faith in Christ today and you're going to go buy a lottery ticket on the way home and win. That's not what what he's promising. It's not the kind of wealth that that God wants to give you. But God wants to give you an abundant life uh, in, 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 in this life and an abundant life in the next of one who is free from the burden of sin, free from guilt. Uh, anybody, you live with guilt? I mean, just be honest. You're guilty because of something you did in your past or something you did this morning uh, or some, some bad things that happened in your life. God wants to free you from those things. He wants to free you from that guilt and from that sin, and he wants to save you. Remember, if Christ is in us, God will give us a new life, an abundant life, and a life with purpose and meaning. So what does this life look like? We've looked a lot at the bad side, right? We know what the life without Christ looks like. We've talked about from Paul. We've talked about from John. We've looked in Romans. We've seen the bad side. But the good side, you know, he wants us to give up things like sexual immorality, give up impurity, give up sensuality, give up strife, give up fighting, give up jealousy, give up rage, give up anger, give up envy. I don't know about you, those things don't really sound that great. So why do we gravitate back to them? That's the, the flesh, the fleshly spirit uh, of broken, sinful people. We want things that are bad for us. Um, we may struggle with food. You want food. We want to eat good food, but what do we do instead? We eat bad food. We gravitate to those things that give us uh, a sense of uh, some kind of uh, satisfaction, if you will. You know, food's a good example. It's a good way to think because a lot of us struggle with uh, we want to eat good, but we eat bad. It's the same with the sinful nature. We want to be good, but, <laughs> but we're bad instead. God has come to rescue us from that. He says you should give these things up, and in fact, you should put them to death. Crucify them. Leave them with Jesus. I mean, in fact, Jesus took them to the cross for you. He's already died for them on your behalf. 
Your role in this is deciding who Christ is going to be for you. Are you going to accept him as Lord and Savior? Are you going to lay down these things? Are you going to lay down immorality? Are you going to lay down ha- uh, bad habits, bad health? <laughs> Are you going to lay down uh, anger, frustration, impatience? And, and, and we're going to talk through those nine scriptures, those nine things, love, joy, peace, patience. And we're going to look at the opposite of each of those, and we're going to find out what it means to lay those down. But today, at the beginning of this, what would happen to us if our lives were characterized by a turning to follow him? A turning away from the things of this world. We talked about those, the earthly nature, the fleshly nature, the sinful nature, whatever you want to call it. If we turned away from the things this world says are the things we should do or want to do, and we turn towards Christ. I love at the, at the end of Galatians 5, we didn't read it today, but he talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. Right now, a lot of us are in step with the world. And some of us who are in step with the Spirit still battle that. Because our culture says things and does things, and sometimes we want to be a part of those things. And so we struggle with one foot uh, in the flesh and one foot in the spirit. And you know what? You can't, uh, we, have, we have a daughter. She's in marching band in Montana um, at, at uh, Montana State University. She plays uh, an instrument, and I, I go, I went last year. This year, they're, they're not doing games and, and stuff, so it's different. But I went last year, and I watched, and you know, so there's like 200-something uh, college students, all playing different instruments, all walking in different directions, but they make these amazing shapes on the field and words and letters and stuff because they're in step. They are following the leader who's directing, they're reading the music, they're keeping time, they're following the, the steps that they already know, and they're keeping in step with each other and one another. It's the same when we keep in step with the Spirit. When we as a body of Christ keep in step with the Spirit, we walk together in one way. But guess what happens when we're trying to keep in step with the world and in step with the Spirit at the same time? (laughs) It's a mess, right? It's stumbling, it's falling, it's tripping because, you know, one side of us is trying to keep in step with the world, another trying to keep in step with the Spirit, and it's a disaster. Jesus says, don't try to keep in step with both. You can't. Just be honest with yourself and pick one or the other. That's the, there really are only two answers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you say yes to Jesus Christ and accept me, him speaking as Lord and Savior, or will you say no? Yes or no? Those are the only two choices. To say yes is to become a new believer in Christ and be in step with the Spirit. To say no no, is to remain in our brokenness and in our sins. But what would happen today if we accept God's free gift of salvation? Galatians 5, where we read today, answers that question. And, and this is what we're going to talk about the next nine weeks. Developing godly character. Turning away from the, what I call the self-centered life and looking towards the God-centered life. What does it mean to live a life where God is in the center? Where I'm in step with the Spirit? Uh, I think the scripture's up there. Skip down to verse 25. We read the first part, but, let, but take a look. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we're talking about for the next nine weeks. Producing the fruit of the Spirit. If we're in step with the Spirit, then things, these things will come out of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just as Christ was crucified on the cross carrying yours and mine sins, when Christ comes into our life, he transforms us. 
our old nature, our old flesh, our old ways become new. The old man is crucified, and the new man, the man that is characterized by love and joy and peace and patience and so on, that person comes to bear in us. That's what we're going to be talking about the next nine weeks. I hope you're excited about it. I'll give you a lot to think about today. Um, we're going to close in prayer, but as we do, I'm going to go grab something off the back here because I want to read it again um, for our closing in a moment. But as we, as we close, I want you to think about and answer the question, who is Jesus to me? Is he just some guy? Is he a prophet? Is he a good, good person? Somebody I heard say some wise things. Um, somebody they talk about at church, but I don't really know any more than that. Somebody that there's a book written about, and, but, but I've never read it. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my everything. I, I mean, it's going to fall into one of those two camps. I mean, I love Marisol. She talked this morning about uh, a period of time. She said it was short when she didn't believe in God at all. That could be possible. You're sitting here today, you're, you're, you're checking this out, but you're like, I don't know if I really believe in God at all. Those are all adequate responses to the, to the gospel that God has handed to you. Where you have to land today is where am I with that? Is he my Lord and Savior or is he not? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for your challenge in scripture uh, about character. Um, I, I pray that we will, n- we will not fall into habits of trying to muster up strength to live the way we should, but instead, Lord, we simply love you and follow you, and then the things of the Spirit will flow out of us naturally, the same way as you, you water and you give sun and fertilizer to a, an apple tree, and it produces apples naturally. The tree didn't have to muster up any strength, Lord. It got the right things, and apples happened naturally. And it's the same with us. Lord, you've reminded us over the last six weeks, be students of the Word, study the Word of God, uh, fill our lives with it, pray, talk to you, communicate with you, have a two-way conversation, love each other in service, love each other by spending time together in fellowship. And Lord, when we do these things, these are, the natural, these are the natural seeds and fertilizer and water of a spiritual life. Uh, and, and when we follow those things, Lord, you've told us we will naturally produce these things. So Lord, I, I pray today that all over this room and, and all over the internet and in places where uh, we have folks watching from Vermont to New Mexico um, and, and, and even a, across the sea and in Wisconsin, we know you guys are up there at camp. Lord, wherever we're at today, Lord, challenge us. Challenge us to become those who are in step with you. And that we're putting the right things in. The love and the joy and the peace and the patience will come out. Lord, I pray that if there are any here today, whether they're in this room or they're online that don't know you yet, they could just simply say to you, Lord, I, I realize today that I'm, I'm a broken person who is in sin. I want my own way, and I have wanted my own way, and that's gotten me into trouble. Lord, I see a new way today, and I want to know you as Lord and Savior. 
Lord Jesus Christ, save me. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and you call on his name, Scripture says you will be saved. Not by anything you can do, not by any, anything you can muster up, but by what Christ has already done. Lord, thank you that you don't force that on us. Lord, thank you that you don't make us choose for or against you, but that you gave us free will in order to choose. That our response to you could be a true love response. Lord, I pray that those who don't know you will love you and offer themselves to you, Lord. And we know that if they will, that you will save them. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the baptisms. We thank you for uh, all of the things we've done today in, in worship and in singing and prayer and giving. Uh, Lord, so many things have gone on today. Now we're going to spend a little time just being excited with our friends who have been baptized. Uh, Lord, we thank you for new believers. Lord, we thank you for obedience. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, Scripture is so, re- so, so really clear uh, that, that a person who's baptized uh, is, is showing the world that they're new believers in Christ. And we're so excited about that today, Lord. We thank you for these three. Um, and we celebrate them today. And Lord, as we, uh, we finish up in a moment, we'll spend some time just uh, celebrating with them. Lord, we thank you for them, for their lives, and for their witness. Lord, we thank you for this day. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to close reading First Peter 1, 3 through 5 as a benediction. It's the, what we read at the end of the baptisms. Uh, it's not your traditional benediction, but I love it because it, it really talks about um, what we have received in Christ. And it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. All right. You're dismissed. Uh, while you're dismissing, I, if we're st- are we still online? We're still on? Okay. While we're dismissing, you guys can get up to and say hi to a couple of folks. I'm just going to mention some of the folks that are online and say hi, Carmela, uh, Renee, uh, April, we see you and your family. The McManamans are here, Marcia Miller. Uh, the Gallows are here, I guess, uh, Donna at least. Um, Daniel, I think he's downstairs, and there's some others downstairs as well. Um, and then I'm going to flip over and see on Facebook who's here. And say hi to you guys too. And, and anybody else who I might be missing, um, I know we've got... Uh, our friends in Ohio, uh, friends in Vermont, my parents in New Mexico. Hi, Mom and Dad. We're glad you guys are here as well. Um, and I can't get a list on Facebook, so if you're on Facebook, we're glad you're here. Welcome, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye.